Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. Amen. Grab your Bibles, if you would, and uh, or your phones, whatever you use. We're in the book of Ephesians again. Uh, by the way, um, I want to encourage you guys, before we get into the message, if, if you have ever entertained night church, okay, I encourage you to entertain that. As you can see, we're packed out this morning. We've got people sitting on the floor even. We're packed out. So if, if God is calling you to be a missionary to, uh, to the evening service, man, I encourage you to do that if you can make that happen in your schedule at all. Uh, it's a wonderful problem, but it still is, is something that we want to encourage you guys to, to do that if you can. Next week would be a great time to check that out with our free pizza on the 6 p.m. service. All right, let's go ahead and, and I'm just going to pray again just because I, I feel like there's something on this message as I've been preparing for it all week. I just feel like that something's going to be deposited. And so, Lord, we just invite that process to happen for your deposit to come to us today. We just invite your spirit into our heart to every single part of us, God, and we just surrender all. We say, have your way. Reveal a new picture, a better picture, or even clearer picture of who you are to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. We are all the way five chapters in. We're ready to start chapter 6. It's great stuff so far. Here's what it says. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Now, let me hear all the parents say amen. Amen. I knew it. It's good. All right. Belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will live a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Let's hear all the kids say amen. Just, just for fairness. Oh, there we go. Okay. It's good. They're a little, little timid, but you know, it's still by faith. I like that. I like that. All right. All right, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Let me ask real quick, how many perfectionists do we have in the building? I mean, you would just say, I'm a perfectionist. Just hold your hand up. Just, just own it. Just, just own it. All right, every single detail, you got to get right. You know, okay, perfectionists. Let me just let you perfectionists off the hook right out, out of the gate here. Because we're going to be talking about parenting not just if you have kids, but also how God parents us. Here's what I want you to know right out of the gate. There are no perfect parents. Whew, just let that, let that breathe for just a second. There are no perfect parents. If you try to get perfection in every other area of your life, that's fine. I just want you to know right out of the gate, there are no perfect parents parents. If we look in the Bible and we try to find perfect parents, we don't see too many examples of perfect parenting. In fact, what we see is a lot of examples of horrible parenting, to be quite honest. And how many of you guys ever look at somebody else's life and you're like, man, that was really bad. That makes me feel really good that they were so bad. That's kind of what the Bible is sometimes. It's like, man, at least I'm not that guy, you know? And so there's a lot of, but just because there's not a lot of, uh, there are good examples and there are bad examples, there's, the Bible has a lot to say about parenting. There's a lot of principles that we can take and we can apply and help us give instructions. So Proverbs chapter 22, verse six says this, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. The question is not if we're tra- training our children The question is, how are we training our children? 
Because the fact of the matter is, we are training our kids. We are training. We are setting a culture to our house. Even we just had the marriage conference yesterday. Listen, if, if in your marriage, if the question isn't do you, what kind of, do you have a culture in your house? The question is what kind of culture do you have in your marriage? What kind of culture do you have in your house? Because you have one. The question isn't if we're training our kids. The question is how, because we're all training our kids. Now, I'm going to step on some toes just in a fun, playful way here this morning because I have been here in this situation before. How many of you guys would just own that you've tried this parenting technique with your kids of trying to get them to obey, and if they don't obey on the first time, you do the count to three thing. Anybody like one, two, three. Okay. See, when we were, when we were just starting out as parents, I had seen people do this, and I thought, man, they didn't obey the first time. So, all right, I'm going to give you another chance. You got, I mean, here comes the countdown, baby. Here it comes. And so what would happen is I would, I would have my, my son who was just like one or two years old at the time. And it's like, okay, one, two. And he, and he's waiting. He's just waiting because he knows he's got till three and three. And then he would obey. And I thought, okay, this system works. I mean, it's, I get obedience. I get it on three. And then one day I realized if I trained him to obey on three, why couldn't I train him? to obey the first time I asked. And it revolutionized our parenting. It's something so small. And, and you say, well, why is that important? If it works, it works. Here's why it's important for us and for anybody, whether you're a parent or not. Because whenever we're raising our kids, we're not just training them to interact with us. We're training them to interact with God. And we want to train a quick obedience to God. How many times in our life as adults right now, we find it as God is asking us to do something and then it seems like he's giving us the one, <laughs> two, and most of us are trained to obey God at three. You see, that comes as a product for somewhere along the way we, we, we lost that. I believe we can do a great service to our children if we train a quick obedience to God. That was just free. Just so you know, that was just an extra bonus for you guys right there. Uh, here, here's the thing. Here's the truth. If we don't shape our kids, someone else will. If we don't shape our kids, someone else will. Psalm chapter 127, verse three and four says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Children are a good gift. They are a heritage from the Lord. We get to aim them and shape them like arrows shot out of a bow. We get to do that. Children, how many of you guys believe children are a gift? Anybody believe children are a gift? Have you guys ever wished, I mean, children are a gift from God. You ever wish that God had a good return policy? Anybody just, you don't have to own it yet. It's not family Sunday, so you're safe right now. I'm sure my parents thought from time to time, man, I wish I had a good return policy on this one because it's still challenging, you know, sometimes. Uh, but they are a gift. Our kids are a gift. Uh, and here's the thing. It's not, let me just challenge your parents. Those of you guys who are currently in parenting right now, and it's just right in front of you. It's not the school's job to train your kids, to shape them. It's not the TV's job to shape them. It's not the daycare's job to shape them. It's not the friend's job to shape them. It's not, uh, it's, it's not uh, who they're around at school. It's not the grandparents' job. Listen to this. It's not even the church's job 
to shape your kids. We are to come alongside and to equip you to shape your kids. And here's the truth. If we begin to allow outside influences to begin to shape our kids, if we begin to invite that process in and just let culture do its thing and let society do its thing and direct that process, here's what begins to happen in our parenting. And we we stop to, we, we don't even realize it starts to happen. But when we let outside culture begin to set the tone for how we raise our family, we begin to set wrong priorities and wrong wins. We begin to believe after a while that the most important things for our kids are to train them to have a good career, to train them to find a good spouse, to train them to be a good citizen, to train them to have a good resume, to train them to go to the right college, to train them to live in the right part of town, to train, and all of these become our wins. Now, those things are not bad in and of themselves, but do you know what our win as believers is, and I'll give you one answer. Here's our win for our kids. And if nothing else happens, you've won. Ready? It's very simple. Raise godly kids. It doesn't matter what they accomplish in life. It doesn't matter what side of town they live on. It doesn't matter where, none of those other factors matter. It doesn't matter if they go to college or don't go to college. Boy, I'm preaching against what culture says, isn't it? But I'm telling you truth. Now, all those things are a bonus. Man, we want them to to do those things. But if our number one goal, if my children grow up and if they live in poverty in that, but yet they honor God, that's the win. It doesn't matter whether they go to college, don't go to college. The win is that they honor Jesus Christ with their life, whatever that ends up looking like. And see, that ought to set the priority for every other decision that lines up for how we follow Jesus in our families. And if, you're, if that's not your priority right now, I would say just strip it all down and rebuild from the right priority because it is to raise godly kids. Now, if you think raising godly kids will happen just without any effort or without, I mean, just, well, we just go to church and we have a little Bible study at home and that's it. If you think it's gonna happen without much strategy and effort and without much obedience on your part, you're sorely mistaken. I want to just give you just a small taste of what you already know we're up against, but here's just a little sampling of what we're up against. Let's watch this video. My name is Alejandra and I'm 13. And like on a daily basis, I go on my phone like in the morning and I'll check my Instagram, Snapchat, Kick, Twitter, Tumblr, Fine. I go to school and I come back and I'll use like, I'll go on Netflix and I'll go to my room and I'll listen to like Pandora, Spotify. I'll play my Xbox, like Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty. And that's about it. If I would add up all like, you know, the time that I use, I think I would spend about seven to eight hours every day. When I'm on social media, I, I feel like I know what's going on. You know, you do feel a little connected and you know, like, what people are up to. Like, you know, I post pictures or videos. I'll, like, comment on stuff. I don't think I'm addicted to it, my phone. I think it's, like, it's kind of a leech, though, because you always have to be on it. And, you know, when I hear a buzz, I'm like, oh, I have friends. I'm Sasha. I'm 16 years old. 
Currently, I have the Xbox 360, the MacBook Pro laptop, the iPad, the old Xbox, a Samsung Galaxy smartphone, and the PlayStation 4. I like to play a lot of different video games on the console on my PS4 when I get home and I just, you know, veg out sometimes and play. I have, you know, first-person shooter like Call of Duty or Battlefield and we also have a baseball game that I've been playing. I absolutely think that there is an addictive quality to video games. Sometimes I'll you know, I'll just keep going if I really want to level up in a video game. Usually when I do my homework, when I get home, I'll either come in my room, listen to music, or I'll go to the living room and watch TV while I do my homework. If I'm like reading something and I, like, I get distracted from the TV or like I'll, I'll pause it or I'll turn off the music and like I'll go through the problem again or whatever I'm working on because I guess I was just a little distracted. If I'm doing my homework on my laptop, I might be also having conversations with my friends or, you know, intermittently checking my phone. Sometimes if I just get too bored of my homework, I might play, like, Candy Crush or something. When I was younger, I could go much longer without using media, but when I'm in an environment that has a lot of media and all of my friends are on media, then I find it hard to kind of resist. It's something that Toby will never understand. All right. Now, that's a, uh, how do you guys know, that's, that's, those statistics are real statistics. Now, what, the thing is, those statistics aren't just for teenagers. How many of you adults would just admit that you are probably at least halfway there, right? I mean, come on. It's, we're, it started off with them kind of be, leading the way, and then all of a sudden something shifted somewhere where now adults are probably in just the, the same way, okay? So the, I just wanted to give you one sampling of one area of our life that seems to be shaping, that has the potential. I mean, you think about that nine hours a day. That's a lot of discipleship happening, isn't it? That's a lot of discipleship happening. And so we have to be strategic and really led by the Holy Spirit. We have to lean into the Holy Spirit if we are going to see uh, godly kids be raised up. Now, here's the thing. The Bible has much to say about this topic of godly parenting. But before we get into that, we first have to understand this, that God is a parent. Did you ever think about this? Think about this deeply. God, our Father. God is a parent. Now, what would that look like for us to delve into that for just a little bit? This message today isn't just about being a parent. It's about understanding how God parents us. And so today, I'm going to do something a little bit different, and I'm going to invite some people to come up and to help me preach today by simply sharing stories about how God has worked in this area of their life. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. I believe there's something significant about it. Would you guys give it up for Aaron and Sarah Poor as they come up and share with us this morning? All right, so here, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to take just a little bit of, of time, and we're just going to ask some questions about, uh, I'm just going to ask a question, really. And what is it that God has shown you guys about godly parenting? We've talked about this before. I believe there's something really significant in what God showed you guys. Okay, so my part is to set up what he's going to say. Um, and so a few years back, um, you know, you've had times in your life where a big decision needs to be made, and you don't hear anything. I don't know what to do. Do you know what to do? He doesn't know what to do. God, what do you, you know, and we don't hear anything. And so, it, you know, this big decision had to be made. 
and um, we hadn't heard God say anything. And this was a big, a big, big thing we needed to decide on. And um, <laughs> I was uh, a wife. <laughs> Sometimes I nag a little, maybe. <laughs> but I tried to, like, do this spin on it, you know, and I'm like, well, Aaron, you need to hear God. I mean, you know, have your wives ever done that before? You're like, honey, you need to hear, the, you need to hear what to do. I need to know. You need to know. Go. You know? And so I did a little nagging and um, eventually said, why don't you just go away? Why don't you just... <laughs> Is that wrong, Sean? I don't know. It Sorry. It worked, though. And so I'm like, go away. <laughs> I'm like, go away for a day. Go away for a week. I, don't, I mean, he ended up going away for one, over one night. But I was like, you know, whatever you need, honey. Just, we'll be fine. Just go hear from the Lord, you know? And so um, he did. He went to a hotel, and he'll talk about what that was like. But while he went away that night, I had a mission. So being a parent here, I had three kids at the time. I was pregnant with twins. Um, We have five kids total. Um, And all my kids are on the front row. I wanted to give a shout-out to them. I see all these teens, by the way. All these, they're all through here, but I'm just so proud of them. Yeah? Yeah. Um, but I did want to shout out to my daughter who's at home watching my little boy who doesn't feel well too. They're just everywhere. I mean, parenting can be done well, guys. I mean, and it's because of the father, our father up there. Um, and so while he was away that night, um, I was at home with the kids and I locked us in a door and I asked them last night, I was like, do you guys remember this? Or I asked Haley, she was really little at the time. And she didn't remember. But I locked us in the door and I said, Daddy's going to go away and he's going to pray and he's going to hear from the Lord. And we're going to know what to do. <laughs> and I was like, but we need, to, we need to pray for Daddy. And so we prayed in tongues. I taught them. I said, kids, this is how you hear from God. I was like, we're going to hear from God today. We're going to hear from God tonight. I mean, I was like, I mean, we had to make a decision and, um, to hear from the Lord. And, but we had to humble ourselves and, and listen, right, with our heart and our ears. And so we all spent the night that night, he away, and the kids and I together uh, praying and just saying, Lord, what are you telling us? What are you telling the poor family? And so um, he went away. What was the last thing I was supposed to say? That was it. That was it. He's like, give me the mic. (laughs) She did a good job. She did a good job. So you go ahead and clap. That's fine. That's fine. No, when I look back on that time, I, I, I think about how crazy it is to think that the idea that we're trying to hear from God and what we're doing isn't working. So if I go away to a hotel and pray really hard, then I'll hear from God. Like there's some level where God's like, okay, that's enough, Right. <laughs> But that's kind of where we were at, you know. It's like we were kind of getting into that desperation mode. And um, so, I, like Sarah said, I went away and, and checked in just to a hotel. I had my guitar, I had my Bible, and I had a notebook, and that's all I had. And uh, I just thought, I'm just going to pray until I hear from God, right? And so, I'm, I'm there, I'm praying, nothing. Okay, I get my guitar out, I'm worshiping for a little while, nothing. Get my 
notebook out to do some journaling, nothing. And this goes on and on and on all through the night. Nothing, 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 nothing. Not a single word. And as this is happening, frustration is building because I'm doing all this in response to something God had told me earlier that I knew I had a word from God on. I just needed some direction and I wasn't getting the direction that I needed. And so uh, this went on all night long. And at some point in the night, I I fell asleep and, and slept for a few hours. And then I woke up the next morning, prayed more, worshiped more, nothing, nothing, nothing. And so it was getting time to check out of the, of the hotel and I'm putting things away and getting ready to leave. And at this point, I'm into just full-on frustration. And I know I'm hopefully not the only person in the room that has had times in your life where you're just frustrated with things not going the way you think they should go in your relationship with God. And sometimes we even get into where we, we almost have a blaming attitude towards God. Even though that's wrong, we get there. And so I remember saying, as I'm putting things away, at this point, I'm not really praying anymore. I'm just talking. And I remember saying, God, you're the one that has told me to do this thing. And I'm trying to hear what you want me to do, but you're not telling me what to do next. And I said something next that was basically like, I am willing to give up everything for what you want me to do. I'll move wherever you want me to move. We'll sell the house. We'll do anything you want us to do. I've given up everything for you. And as soon as I said that, God spoke. And all he said was, no, you haven't. And when he said, no, you haven't, immediately in my mind, I saw all my kids. And then this explosion of revelation happened in my mind and in my heart. And I realized that even though I had gotten to this awesome place in life where I was willing to do anything, go anywhere, sell the house, do anything, I had put my kids in back in some corner of my life and locked the door and told God off limits. You can do anything with me you want, but those are my kids. And, uh, it, and I should have been a lot smarter than that because God had brought us to a place like that in our marriage years before where we had to give our marriage to God. But that's where I was. And God showed me that. And because I had always looked at it like those, everything is God's, but those are my kids. And what God showed me that morning was, no, Aaron, those are my kids. You're raising those kids for me. Do you think you're going to be their father in eternity? Who's their father? I'm their father. I'm your father. And from that point on, my perspective on parenting shifted radically. And I realized that my job is to raise those kids for their father. Does that make sense to anybody? And uh, it was, it changed everything. And and by the way, the doors that needed to open, the whole reason I went to, that all happened right after that happened. So, so the idea of my kids being my kids had really become kind of like an idol in my life. And when I laid that down, repented and gave that to God, things broke loose. Amen. That's great. Give him a big hand. Thank you, guys. So 
So God is not just our father. God is their father. And, and you think that's such a small thing, but, but man, that point, if we make a radical shift in our thinking, it opens up all kinds of new ways of thinking that maybe you haven't entertained just yet. So what happens when we start to really live this way? I want to invite my friends, Jason and Cheryl Calder, to come on up. Would you give them a big hand? <laughs> Jason and Cheryl have been a part of our church for over a decade now. Think about that. This is 2018. They came in January of 2008. And so they've been a part of our church forever. Great friends. So uh, what are some of these guys have been on a journey, no pun intended. So well, how's God used this and this whole parenting thing? Uh, and how's it played out in your guys' life? Wow. There's a lot more people than there were 10 years ago. I mean, that's, that's one thing. The family has grown and our family has grown. And honestly, when uh, Pastor Sean asked if we'd be willing to, um, to talk at three services today, we were like, um, child care, uh, for three services, sign me up, which I don't know if that disqualifies us for talking about parenting or not. Sorry. Some of the kids are in the room here. So, um, but I'll, you know, we have, I brought a picture. Um, this is our, uh, this is our family, right? Uh, we've got more kids than pastor Sean. Just want to point that out. And, uh, you know, we, um, uh, our family might look a little, little differently. So I thought I'd bring the picture and kind of introduce everybody here. So, um, you know, we've, we, we've got, um, three biological kids, um, the, and then our fourth kiddo, uh, Kenny, who I'm holding there, we adopted from Ethiopia in 2015. And that was quite a process. And many of you here were uh, a big, big part of, um, of that and, and, uh, walked with us through that, that whole thing. Uh, just amazing. Um, and, and we had kind of been planning on that, that had been on our heart. God had really been moving, uh, for years in that process to, to bring Kenny home. Um, uh, so, so when we got Kenny home from Ethiopia and, and uh, again, in, in 2015, we, uh, um, shortly after, uh, actually about 16 months after that, um, we, um, we got, uh, two girls that were, um, need an emergency placement for, uh, for, uh, a foster home. We weren't really looking to do that. If you read books on like adoption and like how the right way to, to, to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, kids are kind of folded into the family. It doesn't really say like, okay, then pretty quickly after, uh, you bring them in, like really kind of just create a lot of chaos. Uh, it's not great. Uh, on a family or, 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 you know, as far as the books go, but that's kind of what God called us to. And, um, and so these girls came into our home as well. Um, and, and there, there was really, um, you know, the, it, it did create a lot of issues, uh, at, at that time. Cheryl's going to talk about it. <laughs> So um, oftentimes when people look at foster adoptive families, they think, oh, look at them. Doesn't they look great? That, that right there is um, the end result of a year of struggle, big struggle. Um, when you bring kids in your home that have trauma backgrounds, that have, uh, are not living with their biological parents, it creates a lot of issues. Um, issues in kids when they don't know how to express feelings, come out in behaviors. And so what we found ourselves in what we knew God was calling us to do, 
we found ourselves in the middle of putting our kids, our three biological kids and our new, newly adopted child in um, a situation where we were being stretched. We um, were dealing with all of a sudden having to have a safety plan for our kids because we had uh, one of one of the one, new ones coming in had such behaviors that it was dangerous at times. Um, we went... Um, you know how you, you know, as a parent, you're driving along in the car, don't make me pull this car over. Yeah, we actually would have to pull the car over. And sometimes we would get stuck because of an unsafe behavior. And we could be stuck in a situation um, with that child, with our other children being stuck in that situation as well. Um, we didn't know what triggers the triggers for this child were. We didn't, we just were finding ourselves with a dysregulated child a lot of the time, with times that could last up to two hours. Um, and so we had a lot of questioning that came in from close friends, family even, like, is this, is this, are you really hearing from God? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, and we would ask that same question. We're like, uh, maybe that wasn't God that told us to do that. You know, because, you know, in your mind you have, okay, so you're bringing, like this, it's going to be like this, we're going to hug and it's going to be all, you know, I mean, and when stuff gets hard, uh, it's easy to question that. It really is. And, and you know, but what we, uh, it, our roles kind of shifted too. I mean, we were, it was this isolating thing where, uh, and it's one thing we had not anticipated where, um, you know, we were involved in, in ministry here at the church and our mission kind of shifted. And then we stepped back and it was, you know, um, it was just one of those things that was, what was, uh, was really difficult. And we, we kind of looked around and, and, and said, um, you, you know, are, are we actually causing harm to our, our children? Our, our our biological kids and 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 our adopted child is that something that you know God is this your plan or are we are we screwing up your plan? Yeah. So in those times when we were living and in, inviting our children to live with us outside of our comfort zone, so um, largely, um, we would have to stop and think of what God had already provided. And so when we would stop and count and list what God had provided, it was so clear that we were doing exactly what we were supposed to do. We moved into the home that we moved into four months before we got the placement of the girls. If we hadn't have moved into that home, we wouldn't have had space. We already had bunk beds. We just put them up. We had to buy a new van to fit everybody. But wouldn't you know, the finances were provided for that van purchase. We... Um, we, lived, we now live in the country. With the child that we had, that way that they were acting, we couldn't have lived in the city. <laughs> we, but like at bedtimes, if there's a big thing and we can go sit on the porch with that child, we can see one or two other houses and you can just be as loud as you want outside and we will just sit with you while it happens. But we couldn't have done that in the city. Um, also like mental provision that we needed. So if anybody was here during the camp announcements, we've done camp for, I've done camp for years. My children have gone down to camp with us for years. They have seen behaviors like this before. It did not surprise them. Now they'd never lived with behaviors like this before, but they had seen it. So it wasn't a shock to their system. I deal with discipline at camp. That's my job. Like I am one of, I direct the tot lot ages four to six. They've seen me handle situations like this. They knew that their mom could handle it. I mean, the way that God even provided that I had all the training that I needed in order to, to do this, the support, the emotional provision and support that we had for both of our older kids who were at times like, nobody else understands, nobody else is going through with this in their families. 
Our daughter's best friend, their family took a placement, went through the exact same thing at the exact same time. Our oldest son's best friend, they had a newly adopted daughter home, and they were going through the exact same type of thing as well. They both had, like, things that we can't provide for them. Only God could provide for them. They saw him provide. A friend for myself that was going through with a kiddo with behavioral things the same way as us, which it's such an isolating thing, and it doesn't make sense to a lot of people because you can't explain it. And living with that 24 hours a day for months on end. Um, having friends of ours that had been best friends of ours for 20 years took the placement of the three brothers of our girls. So now we are family with friends, friends that we were already family with. I mean, that only God can orchestrate that. Um, not to mention like having support systems that were tight, like my sister and the Hallorans and some other ones that could get us out of situations if we got stuck with the behavior. Come get the, good, come get the kids that are behaving so they're not stuck in this as well. Um, and then the spiritual provision. So we went through about four months of really, really hard stuff with one of the kids. And we had really reached our breaking point. Like, Lord, you've got to do something because we can't, I don't know how we can continue like this. And we've, maybe we've done all we can do. And it was, at, it was January last year, um, after the month of prayer and fasting during the Thursday night thunder prayer meeting and worship night. I mean, I came forward, we had all the kids in the back and like, I came forward for a prayer and I kid you not that night, the light switch flipped, that kid changed. I mean, it was so crazy that like our CASA workers, our case managers, our, the, the, the school, our own children were all like, whoa, what happened with that kid? We went from logging behaviors that would be like seven or eight a week of, you know, things that could last two hours a time to like nothing because God intervened and our kids got to see him intervene. Um, sorry, this is probably going longer than you want. It could go even longer. This is condensed. I know. You know what? It was funny. As I was writing it out the other day, I'm like, I finally realized, oh, that's a whole other sermon. So I'll just, yeah. anyway, but on and on it went. So like when we had to transition the girls to a new school after nine months, you know what? It wasn't that surprising that, oh, wow. One of them got a teacher that has foster nieces and nephews and she understands trauma. Oh, one of them's a teacher that Joel had the year before and, and that, do- that girl had already been in that classroom. Oh, the bus pulls up on the first day of school. Guess who's the bus driver? Isabella Banco. Of course she is, Lord why wouldn't she be someone that we've been to church with for years? It was that kind of stuff that our kids would see over and over and over. Of course, because only God can orchestrate that. And he cares for us and he is good and he provides and putting our kids, I just spit all the stage and putting our kids, sorry, putting our kids in a position to not be comfortable has, has actually led them to see how faithful God is and how he provides. And it... He is so good. And like, I, I was going to take up my, I started writing out all this stuff and I realized I just, there's just so much. There's so much. Like if you ever want to hear how much God can do when you put yourself out there and you live hard stuff and he is right there in that moment. I mean, there is so much stuff and that's just with fostering. I have a whole blog that was the adoption part. I mean, that a whole bunch of people follow back then. But, and, but the thing is, this is where we realize that it's making an impact on our kids. Cause most recently, so we, you know, whoop, turn in our tax return. Yes, we got six kids. Woo, it's gonna be a good year. So we turn in our tax return. I kid you not, our heater went out on that day. Like our heat pump heater went out, like out, gone. Like we needed a new one. So we're, okay, so we went to replace it. It was gonna pretty much wipe out most of our emergency fund. And when the guy came in, came in and I wrote out the check and I gave it to him and then I realized, well, that's really close to what that tax return was. So I went back and found our return and like added it up, $46 difference. that's what we paid for a new heater. 
because God is that good. And it was funny because this is why I know that this is making an impact on our kids, even though it is like the hardest thing we've ever lived through in our entire lives, is when I walked in to tell my oldest son, who's 13, guess what, bud? We just paid $46 for a furnace. And his response, first thing out of his mouth was, Jehovah Jireh, my providers. Great. Because, of course, if you're a child of like, what was that, 80s? We could sing the whole song. He, he dared me to sing it. So anyway, he's not in here though. But um, anyway, but that was his response. That the fact that that was his first response was like, man, not what a coincidence, but God is good and he provides. And so the thing is for us, as we are realizing that our kids trading in comfort alongside of us, they are experiencing firsthand how God uses his people, which is us in all of you, however he chooses, you know, however you step into whatever you're stepping into. And that saying yes to following the call does not equal easy, but that God is faithful. He is good. He provides. And we, even though we have no clue how we may be damaging them, I'm sure things will come out in therapy later, but it's one of those things to know that like with them being exposed to this, it's to their benefit to experience the goodness of God and how close and how near he is to us. Like that, it doesn't matter what they're giving up. They're gaining so much, you know? Yeah, and I think uh, another thing they're seeing is that love is an action, right? I mean, love isn't just a feeling. And for them to see us and for them to actually uh, show love when, and when it's really hard to, I mean, I think that goes right to what you're saying about how God relates to us is just, you know, they're seeing faithfulness beyond uh, what is natural, right? And, and so... Um, for them, again, to experience that. And, and, and because of that love and, and um, you know, the, the grace of God, we've seen uh, our adoptive daughter and as well as the foster uh, girls thrive. And, and they're doing amazingly well. Um, you know, and we actually could stand and pose for a picture as there's evidence. Uh, you know, and, and so... We had a 20-minute window. Yeah, we did. It was, it was a very <laughs> short window for a few pictures. Uh, but... You know, and, and and so it's not because guys were amazing parents that they turn that they're turning out so well and that they're doing so well. Like I said, it's because of the Lord, and and so um, you know we've been um, it's been a hard process, but we can at this point look at it and say, you know, God called us to it. He's provided. He is good. He didn't call us to something to destroy us. You know, He called us to something that is going to ultimately be our benefit, even though it looks crazy, even though on on the surface. It may look like that's really, are you sure that's to your benefit? You know, uh, it, it's, there's something much deeper than uh, what is, I think, in the natural. I'll say that too. Because um, it just never ends. It's just going to keep on going. No, um, no, but the thing is, is that we're th- like, you know, the big thing I think is just letting your kids, I mean, whatever you're in, like letting them see the struggle. Because when they see the struggle, they also see the provision rather than hiding things, you know, making everything seem perfect or comfortable or whatever. But like, God is so good and he is so for them and for your family. Like, let them aware, make them aware of the struggles and different things like that so that they can also rejoice with you with the provision. So. Amen. That's good. Can we give them a big hand? And they told me they didn't have anything to say about parenting when I asked them. And I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> so good. You see, that, doesn't, that only happens when you give up ownership and you realize that God owns this thing. And we just say yes. 
That's when that happens. All right. So, so when that happens and we start to see that, to un, see that unfold, how does God start to parent us through that? We want to see a window of that so we can parent our kids, even when through all of the challenges we go through. So to, to share a little bit more about that, I want to invite Tom and Becky DeWitt to come up. Would you give them a big hand as they come up? All right, guys. So how has God been faithful to you guys through your parenting? I know he's, he's shown you guys some specific things in, in how God parents us and how we can parent our kids. Yeah, the cool thing is, is God really shows, uh, you know, your identity as just an individual. <clears throat> and then he shows a, 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 the true identity of when you have a family and what that looks like to parent. And as, uh, as he does that, you start to learn really who you are, but you start to learn who your kids are. And, and that is exactly what happened with us. And we, we just basically, you know, four to five in, years into being a parent, uh, in parenting, we kind of looked at it. We said, okay, God, what are you trying to show us? You know, we need your help to figure this out. You know, who, what is our family identity? What is the identity of our kids? What is the, uh, you know, what are our kids' personality? You know, what makes them who they are? And what do you see them? You know, how do you see our kids? And so we, uh, a funny story in, in this process is we, uh, one day, Becky came to me and she said, you know, Claire, Claire, <laughs> Claire has a problem with keeping her room clean. And she just basically refuses to do it. And there were toys everywhere and books everywhere and clothes everywhere. And, and so me being the, you know, father, I'm going to go take care of this issue right now. And so we, uh, we went into Claire's room, and we said, let me help you. I said, let me help you understand something really quick. Let me make this crystal clear to you. And I said, you are going to clean your room. You know, your mother has talked about this. We've talked about this. And we basically said, you will clean your room. And if you can't figure out how to clean your room, I will get a trash bag, and I will throw every single thing that you own away. You know, shock and awe. Nothing wrong with that, right? You know, just throw it all away. So, so we're standing there, and, and this four-year-old little girl walks out of the room. And Becky and I are like, what is she doing? She walks down the hallway. She walks down the steps. She goes down into the kitchen. And we're still standing there like, what is she doing? I just, you know, I just, respectfully, I just peeled her face off, you know, and laid down the law. And she comes back. And she walks up the steps and walks down the hallway, and that girl has a trash bag. <laughs> and we were standing there looking at each other like, uh-oh. Uh, yeah, we're, we're in trouble. You know, God, you're going to need to really help us on this one. Because, you know, what I really realized and what it, it almost kind of scared me a little bit was what I realized that I'm looking at myself in Claire. Because Claire is... She's not only, uh, you know, God wonderfully made her. She's not only funny and fun to be with and just a great kid and a great attitude and a great personality, but she's also a fighter. And those of you that know Claire, <laughs> she's a right fighter, and she's going to stand up for what is right. She's going to stand up for what she believes in. She's going to stand up for what God has, has put into her. Now, we didn't know that. You know, we didn't see her full identity and her personality at the, at the time. You know, we just had said, God, show us who, who Claire is so we can figure out how to parent her. And, you know, and those are great qualities to have. 
but it was it changed the way that we that we looked at that and we looked at, at our kids and we said god help us to figure out how to do this because we can't do it on our own you know it, it, it clearly doesn't work you know uh because she goes and gets a trash bag and, and calls my bluff on it and be like okay fine you know what i'm gonna help you do it so but god really showed us who our kids were and and it helped us uh to you know to parent them in the way that he sees them in the same way that he parents us and and he shows us who you know our identity he showed us our kids identity and it really helped us to be able to uh to make that happen and and it, we didn't do it right i mean cheryl and and, and you know and jason talked about it. they didn't do it right but through god showing us what to do we're figuring it out, and we continue to figure it out even, you know, as they're, as they're getting older. So, so um, as Tom and I were talking about this to, to prepare for this morning, um, I realized, yes, we, we have a family identity, and we, you know, we need to allow the Lord to uh, reveal that to us because each family in here has their very own uh, identity, and you... Um, you know, get to, to decide after the Lord reveals it to you how it's going to unfold. So, um, so you know, shortly or soon after we were parents realizing we really don't have a clue what we're doing and we're going to need the Lord's help, um, he showed me that we are the gatekeepers of our family. We're the gatekeepers of our of ourselves, but we're also the gatekeepers in of our family. And so we get to say what comes in, uh, into our home, into, um, you know, what they get to watch, what they get to read, what they're eating. Um, when they're young, you get to determine that. And so that's going to help, um, shape and, and mold them into, um, who God says they are. So you get to be the gatekeepers, the, the disciplinarians, the, the ones that say, this is who, who our family is going to be. We're going to, um, you know, we're going to, um, um, we're going to decide what attitudes you even get to have in our home. You know, you don't get to, to rule and, and decide what, how you're going to behave. So, um, so, I was, as I was, again, preparing for this, I, I read a, um, a Barna group, you know, they do lots of surveys and things. So an interview with, with adults, Barna group found that there were two mistakes in parenting. Number two was not spending enough time with kids. And number one was parents didn't discipline them at all. And it seemed like parents are afraid if they discipline, they will lose relationship and not show grace. So, um, you know, we realized early on that discipline is, is a part of parenting and that is going to help shape and mold them um, into who God has them to be, who God is saying they are. And he's equipping us to know how to, um, to steer them, as, as Pastor Sean read the, the scripture, train up a child in the way they are to go, not the way we want them to go, not the way we think the world says they should go, but in the way that they are bent to, to go. So um, attitude is, is very um, key in that. So Proverbs four twenty three says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. And, and for us, that was, that was the attitudes that are in our home. If we can catch those before they become bad attitudes or, you know, going down the wrong, wrong path, 
it, it, that's what you know, that's what you have to do as parents. And and to what Becky said, that we control those things. We control those attitudes. And and one other story, and uh, won't say which child it was. You can probably figure it out. But uh, no, it's uh, so one one day we started to notice that that one of our children. Uh, one of the three would come home from school, come home from playing with their kid, with, with kids in the neighborhood, and they would go straight to their room and they would close the door. They would be on social media. Uh, they were, you know, listening to music. They were doing whatever they were doing, and and just not being part of the family. And so we'd be like, oh, you know, where are they at? Uh, in their room again. And so it, this went on for a long time, and and it was like, you know, they they would come and be a part of the family, but they just wanted that that kind of alone time. And, and it's like, no, you know, we're family. We're going to spend time together uh, because it's, it's important. And so uh, back to the shock and awe, you know, I, we, were, we were trying to figure out how do we, you know, how do we address this issue? How do we take authority over this issue? And, and seek God and said, God, give us the answer to this problem because we can't figure it out. You know, time after time, we're like, okay, why, 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 why? You know, be a part, be a part. And so God said, take the, now I'll back up for a second. The door would always be closed in the room. So God said, just take the door off the hinges. <laughs> I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> so took the door off the hinges and, and in, my, in my firmness uh, uh, you know, attitude or whatever you want to call it, I just left the door right there in the room so that, that, that you know, this, this child could see and be like, dang it, the door. You know the doors off the off the hinges. I can't close the door, but just as as a reminder and to say, you know what, this isn't right. This is you know this is our home. You're going to spend time with our family. There's time that it's important to spend as individuals and to have that quiet time, and and that's important even as you know as adults to have that quiet time. But that quiet time doesn't need to take the place of the family time, and and so that actually because we stepped in and asked God to help us to figure that out. And to what was going to, again, specifically be to that child uh, as to how we would get the reaction that we needed. And it changed that behavior because they realized, okay, you know what? Yeah, I need to be a part of the family. And I, you know, I can't just come home and, and isolate myself because you all can, you can figure out many things that happen when, when uh, kids are, are isolated. And so that was just another example of God just showing us uh, you know, what we needed to do and to focus on him. Uh, because he's got the answers, and we don't have all the answers. So, um, so not only um, are we are the gatekeepers in our home, and we can steer the direction that we believe that is right for our family according to God's word, um, but we can we get to speak life into our children. And when we begin to ask the Lord, you know, what, how do you see our children? What do you see them as? Help us to see them the way you see them. Help us to see um, their, their strengths. Sometimes you only see all the weaknesses, the messy rooms or the, or the sassiness or, you know, the, you know, whatever it is, the neg, the tent, the things that seem to uh, be not the most positive uh, um, attitudes or behaviors. You, you tend to focus on those more. So Lord, help us to see them the way you see them. And, and when you ask the Lord that he will, he'll drop either a word in your heart um, and, you know, either, you know, what, what he sees them as, or, you know, a, a picture or, or whatever. But 
so as um, early on, again, as I was praying for that, um, he did. He dropped a word for each one of our girls in our heart. And I began to seek scripture on that and write that out. And, and so I could declare that over them. I could speak that over them, uh, especially in those times that it seemed like, I don't know if we're getting through to them. I don't know what, how, they're, how they're going to, uh, to, to keep moving in this. What are, how are they going to end up? You know, you don't know. You're hoping you have a lot of hope for it, but you don't know. So when the Lord gives you that word and that prophecy over them and the scripture, um, and so when you're not seeing the behavior that you're hoping for, you can begin to declare those scriptures over them. You can begin to, to call out righteousness in them. You can begin to call out the things that you're not seeing in them as though they are. You can begin to say, they are a child of the most high God. They will rise up and, and uh, follow him all the days of their life. They will um, be the head and not the tail. They will be above and not below. They will um, have love in their hearts. They will be spiritual leaders in their schools and in their neighborhoods. They will know the right thing to do. They will make right choices. Whatever you're not seeing them do, start declaring the opposite. And you will begin to see uh, a change in their hearts. You'll begin to see it in your own spirit, especially if all you're thinking about is, why can't they do this? Why are they doing this? Why can't, you know, all of the wise and, and their knots, start declaring what you do want to see happening in your home and in your family. And, and there will be hope rise up in you. You will begin to see them as a child of God. You will begin to see them the way God sees them. And you'll declare that and you'll say that into them and it will uh, stir up in them something. And they'll be like, wow, I am a child of God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can make right decisions, even when the world around me is saying I am nothing, or a teacher is is saying that they will amount to nothing. They will have that in them because you have deposited life. You have given them life-giving words, and they you're sowing seeds. We we heard that yesterday that the words of our mouth uh, bring death or life, and so sow seeds of life into your children until you begin begin to see the fruits of it. It may not happen immediately, but it will happen. You will reap what you sow. And so let's sow the right words into our children. Thank you guys. Thank you. I've got a a video clip that I'm going to show and save for, uh, for this first service. If you're not friends with me on Facebook, be friends with me on Facebook. I'm going to show it this week. Uh, we're kind of running out of time for today. Uh, I do want to wrap up with a couple quick thoughts. You know, when we talk about training our kids, training is not for behavior modification. God, God doesn't train us. God, God's not so much interested in trying to control our behavior. He's interested in our heart. And out of our heart comes right living, comes right thinking, comes all of those things. And so does God discipline us? Yes, absolutely. God does. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. How many of you guys would just say amen to that? Yeah, for the moment, it doesn't seem very pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained. There's that word trained by it. Listen to what I say though. When I talk about discipline, here's what I didn't say. I didn't say punishment. Those are two different things, discipline and punishment. Punishment means to pay back, to try to bring, to, to repay something. Discipline is actually the word disciple, which means to train. 
And so are there consequences for our, our actions? Yes, absolutely. But the motivation and how those things happen are totally different places to start from. You see, when, have you guys know that God does not punish us? Do you guys believe it? Jesus took our punishment on the cross. Whenever we mess up or have wrong living, God doesn't come and try to make us pay back for something we've done wrong. What does God do? God disciplines us. What does that look like? It means he's giving us right rails to ride upon. So with your kids, you may have to discipline them. You may have to show them pictures of what the right way is. You may have to, that doesn't mean you're, you're their buddy all the time or all these things. It just means that you're giving them right rails to ride upon. That's the difference between discipline and punishment. We discipline our kids, absolutely. Uh, obedience is necessary. Listen, Listen, payback is not. You guys hear me? This is a big, it's a big thing. It seems like it's like, my kids don't have to pay me back or pay back God for some wrong living. They might get disciplined. They might get new rails to ride upon. But how many of you guys know God doesn't make us pay back? He, he took care of our punishment. And so uh, just a little shift like that might help you. Why? When you do this, here's what it creates. That scripture we started out with, it creates a culture of honor. It says, honor your mother and father. What does that look like? Honor is an attitude of the heart. You realize, I've had, as when I was a youth pastor, I'd have teenagers come in, 17-year-olds and stuff. Now, how many 17-year-olds have we got in the house this morning? All right, one, two, I've seen a handful of seven. I'd have 17-year-olds come into me and say, listen, my parents are asking me unreasonable things to do. They're just on me all the time. They're just doing all this stuff. Do I still have to obey my parents? I mean, I'm like basically an adult now. And I'm like, okay. Do you have a job? Most of them would say no, but some of them would say yeah. All right, are you paying your own bills? Do you have your own house? No, you're under the roof. Yes, you have to obey your parents. Then I would have some people, here's a the, here's the strange thing. I would have some people who were out of the house, maybe in their 20s, maybe just married, you know, or whatever, and they'd come back and they would say, my parents are still in my life. And they're asking, Do, where's the line between I, where I have to stop obeying my parents? And literally, people would struggle with this. And do we obey our parents once we're out of the house? No, you don't have to. But here's what I believe. The Bible always demands for us or commands for us to honor our parents, even when we're out of the house. You say, well, they don't deserve it. Well, that's not your decision to make, is it? <laughs> we're called to honor do you realize, why, again, why is this important? Because what we do with our heart is just as important as what we do with our lips, in fact, more important. In fact, Matthew chapter five and six talks about the, the, this idea that you can honor God with your lips and actions and not with your heart, and it's not a good thing. And, and so we've gotta have honor, not just in our actions. That's why God's not about our behavior so much as he is our heart, because out of our heart is where real honor comes. And that's where action will come and flow through it. So uh, teenagers, let me just talk to teenagers and young people in the, in the building today. Listen, if you're not honoring your parents, I wanna challenge you to do just that. Are you, are, are, you may be obeying your parents right now because you have to, but the question is, are you honoring them in your heart? Because you may be honoring, you may be obeying with your lips and your actions, but if you aren't honoring with their, your heart, God will not bless it. God will not bless it. You say, well, how, how does that work? They're not, it's not fair. It doesn't matter. You honor because it's about your relationship, not just with your parents, but your relationship with God. Now, parents, let me talk to you real quick at the end here. How, how about we go first? How about we honor our kids? You say, well, they're kids. 
No, but we can honor. How would we, what would that look like? I believe one of the best ways that that would look like is found in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six through nine. It's a classic scripture. It says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I believe we show honor to our kids through our time and our attention. And if we're so busy in our life that we don't have time or attention, we've been dishonoring to our kids. And I know there's not a perfect scenario. Life isn't a perfect scenario for that. But listen, some of our kids honestly are acting up, not because they're bad kids, but because they simply want our attention. Some of them are just acting out because they simply want our attention. You say, well, I don't have a lot in common with my kids. I love this. How about you find the 1% that you do have in common and dump 100% of your energy into it? Find the 1% you have in common and pour 100% of your time and your energy. And here's the thing. It just was laid out here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I believe our kids need quantity time with us and quality time. Some people will say, I give my kids quantity time. Well, what are you doing with that time? We're watching TV. (laughs) Well, I give my kids quantity time. Where where yet? Well, I'm, I'm at the sporting event. I'm with them for hours. They're out there. I'm out here. That's not a bad thing, but that's not, that, if that's the only thing is quantity time, that doesn't mean you're, you're, you're where you should be. And some people are saying, well, I don't have quantity time, so I give quality time. So it's a two-minute conversation a day where we just get it all in. And, or I can't, I don't have time, but we're going on a vacation, and we're going to have a vacation at the end of the year, and I'm going to make up for all the time that's lost. I don't believe that's the biblical model. It's quantity time and quality time. Why? Because again, this is not just about our relationship with our kids. This is about our relationship with God. How many of you guys know that God wants quality time and quantity time from us? And again, we're training our kids to have a relationship with God. That's what we're doing. Plan your work around your family, not the other way around. Say, how how can I do that? Listen, Andy Stanley says that, listen, in life, Somebody's going to get cheated. It's either your work that's going to get cheated or your family's going to get cheated one way or the other. Just make sure it's not your family. Whatever consequences there are to that, I understand we live in a world where there are seasons when we have to push and push and push and go through life. How many of you guys have been in one of those seasons? It's like, man, I've got to make money. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to work really hard in this season. Listen, that's fine. Let me just see. How many of you guys have ever been in a season like that? I've got to be. Here's my advice to you. Just make sure it's only a season. Because what happens is we get in a a season that's forever. And let's make the adjustments. Let's come before God and let's say, God, our family is yours. What would that look like if my family, my kids, listen, if you've got kids out of the house right now and you're an empty nester, you can still put in these principles in place because God wants quality and quantity time with us. Now, honor is all about the heart. Let me just ask you in closing, where's your heart? Can I just have the worship team come back up? We're out of time. Where's your heart with God right now? Are you honoring God in your heart or just with your actions? Are you honoring God with your lips? We come into a service like this and we worship God with our lips and we are singing. Or are we honoring God in our heart? Where's your heart right now? Teenagers, where's your heart towards your parents right now? There may be some wounds in there between parents and kids. Let God handle that. 
Let God handle that. Give it up to God right now. Parents, where are your heart towards your kids right now? You may be, it'd be in a frustrating season. Give that up to God. Give that up to God. Let me close up with this story. Back when my daughter, Lindsay, was about probably one or two years old, we had this little game that we played in the house. And this was this game where she could be anywhere in the house and I would just start to stomp my feet. And whenever I would stomp my feet, she would know it's on. And what this meant was it was time for her to run away and for me to come and chase her. And so I would get more aggressive and stomp through the house and she would get all excited and she would just run and just run her, her little legs off and run. And then I would run after her and I would scoop her up and she would laugh and we would play this game all the time. It could be anywhere. She wouldn't even have to see me. She could just hear the stomp. One day uh, I was at the house and I think Becca was gone from to some shopping or well, I don't know what she was doing. And uh, I saw Lindsay down the hallway. And so I'm like, here we go. We're gonna have fun. And I started to stomp and she got all excited. And I just got, for some reason that day, I just got really aggressive that day. And I decided I'm gonna stomp really hard and I'm gonna run really fast. And so I stomped and I started charging down the hall really fast at her. And all of a sudden she had a choice to make in a split second because she could run away and, and play the game. And all of a sudden, instead of, uh, instead of this excitement of the game happening, all of a sudden, just for a second, it was like she got scared for just a second. And she had this decision. Does she run away and trust that this is a game or, or what does she do? And so in a split second, instead of running away, she instantly, the fear came on her face and she instantly reached up her hands and she started running towards me. And I just scooped her up. And it was like in that picture, I just saw, I was like, wow, there's a picture of God right there. You see, sometimes God asks us to do things that we get a little scared of, we get fearful of. And we know that God is pursuing us all the time. But sometimes you get in those moments where it's like, what are we gonna do? And she just instinctively ran to me, expecting, hoping for mercy from her father. And she got it. And in that, I just see a picture of where many of us are. Listen, God is pursuing us today. God is a parent to you today. And whether you're, you're in the, whether God's pursuing you and you're enjoying that or whether there's this moment this morning where you're experiencing a little bit of panic and fear, I want you to know that you don't have to turn away in fear. You can run to God for a time of help. You can run to God and his arms are wide open. I promise you that. I promise you that. Would you guys stand up with me as we, we get ready to worship one more time? I'm just gonna pray for us. But I know we've been all over the board with this topic of parenting today. I believe it's a significant thing that we are called to, it's one of our most important discipleship jobs, if not the important discipleship job that we have as parents is to raise these kids, to give them a picture of what it looks like to follow you. So Lord, I pray for encouragement to rise up and I pray for those who may be walking in that discouragement right now that there would just be a deposit of hope and joy and refreshment this morning. Lord, I pray for parents to have the courage to make the right steps, for, for young people to, to lean in, to realize that they're responsible, not just to, to uh, grit it out, but they're responsible to tend to their own hearts, not just to parents, but towards you. Lord, we thank you that you are our father. 
and that you parent us well. Thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.